In the name of one God, Holy Trinity, amen. I have a sense that if you are someone who has heard me preach week in and week out, month in and month out, that when you listen to the readings that we have for this morning's uh, readings, well, that the, the readings that the lectionary gives us for this morning, that, that you would expect that I would preach a sermon on faith, hope, and love abide, and the greatest of these is love. I'm going to pass on that one. And then if you were around last week, if you tuned into this virtual broadcast last week, you heard my colleague Brian sitting over there to my left make a a strategic move to defer the end of the story, which we hear from today's gospel uh, that began last week in last week's gospel, and to defer that ending of that story to me as preacher this morning. From time to time, we have a setup one week and a conclusion in the following week. And it's always a good idea to leave the conclusion to the preacher who draws that concluding story. All that I'm going to say about our gospel reading this morning is that it is one of the most curious passages in the entirety of the gospel for me in my reading. When I hear that story, I think what we're meant to hear is this commentary on Jesus's sermon like, wow, that was the best sermon we've ever heard. And then the next beat of that story is, so we've got to figure out a way to kill this guy. I'm not going to preach on that story either, other than that little sermon that I just gave you there. I cannot resist preaching the Jeremiah text. It's such a beautiful text, and it just captures my heart in a very particular way. This morning, or at least over the course of the last few days, Jeremiah is one of my favorite characters in the Hebrew Scriptures. He is described by many as the weeping prophet. prophet. Jeremiah is born into exceedingly troubled times for Israel. Israel is captured under the domination of and completely uh, by Babylon, completely disconnected from the way of life that they imagine that they've been told they're supposed to be living. The conundrum that Israel finds themselves in is that they are a righteous people who have been dominated by an unrighteous people. But God continues to speak commentary into Jeremiah's life about how Israel had been leading an unrighteous life. So then, and there's this great line, uh, there's this wonderful line from Jeremiah's prophecy where he describes, he says, the Lord told me to bring you a wine cup, a chalice full of God's anger so that you would all drink of it. And that... That presents us with so many challenging theological issues when we move from Hebrew scriptures to Christian scriptures, and it describes a struggle that we all have with, with 
that's summed up in like, well, I, you know, I, 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 I like the New Testament God, but I don't like the Old Testament God. I'm not going to preach about that controversy at all because I see it as one God being God all throughout the story. And then all of these subsequent stories, humanity giving commentary about how we relate to that loving God. Jeremiah most certainly is a prophet come to Israel in troubled times. And what we know about troubled times is that troubled times demand action. That we as people of faith, we as people who are connected to God, must act in some way during those troubled times. I was remembering this story as I was uh, reminding myself of the dynamic that Jeremiah has with God. And I was remembering being a child. I have an older brother. His name is Reed. He's two years and two months older than me. And when we were little kids, we were raised by our mom, a single parent. And, And part of the dynamics of a single parent household were that chores were shared throughout the entirety of the family, whether we kids wanted to do them or not. And so my mom would pop up and say like, hey, hey, boys, boys, I need someone to take out the trash. Or boys, boys, I need someone to unload the dishwasher. Boys, boys, I need someone to mow the yard. And my brother and I had a process, which may have been familiar to you and your siblings, where we would say that, you know, the the command, the need would come out of my mom's mouth. Boys, boys, I need someone to unload the dishwasher. And then one of us would immediately say, not it. The other was then stuck with the task. That's just how it worked in our family. And I was thinking about Jeremiah, and, and there are some other characters in, in the New Testament as well. If we think of Moses, we think of Jonah. There is this human tendency that when we face trouble that demands action, our almost immediate response is not it. You know, Jeremiah says to God, no, no, like, ah, I'm not your guy. I'm not your one. And then we hear this beautiful piece from the very beginning, God's voice coming to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you just for this work. Before you were born, I made sure that you and your life was sacred. That's the thing that draws me into that Jeremiah piece this morning. The story goes on to tell that from time to time, Jeremiah makes this strategic decision on his own within himself. He says, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to prophesy for God anymore. This is just too hard. I'm not going to speak up anymore. And then when he stops talking, it says that his heart would burn and that his bones 
would burn as though they were on fire until he would open his mouth and prophesy beauty and love and kindness and reconciliation and amendment of life until he would engage in that sacred calling, he was not relieved from the burning of his heart or the burning of his bones. And the beauty of that line, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I made you holy so that in troubled times, you would act. Church, what's true for Jeremiah is true for you and me, too. Each of us is created in the image and likeness of God, the story tells us in its very beginning. I can also tell you, church, here we sit in troubled times. Now, I know that many of us would have a laundry list about what's gone wrong in our culture, especially over the course of the last two years. But let me identify troubled times in this way. Our relationship one to another, our ability to converse with people who think and feel differently than we do, our ability to build long-standing, trust-filled, intimate relationships with different people is impeded. It's fractured in this time that we are living in. That is the trouble that we face. And I know, I know because of the history of this place. I said just this morning in our annual meeting that 111 years ago, a person a group of people walked into the forest to cut logs to come and build St. John's House, a log building that still sits here on our campus. The intention was not to create a log building so that every Sunday morning at 8 and 10, the liturgies of the Book of Common Prayer of the day would be executed flawlessly in full observance of the rubrics. No. This community was built because in 1911, in 1911, these were troubled times for anyone who was living in Jackson Hall, right? This was a hard scrabble place to live. And there was a constituency of people who went out into the forest to cut down logs to build St. John's House so that they might build a community that would serve the needs of each and everyone who came to this valley to be a part of the community of Jackson Hole. Church, we have a long history of action in troubled times, and these times, these times are no different than those, though they might feel as though they are. Our work is to meet God and to meet God in one another to do it with kindness, compassion, humility, love, 
patience, self-control, hospitality, and to do that with passion. I am absolutely convinced that no matter the challenge that comes before us, that we are a community who can answer this call of action in troubled times and that our action would be spreading love and making a difference in the lives of anyone who needs it, anyone who comes across our threshold and anyone who we meet as we cross this threshold to go out and about in the community of Jackson Hole and beyond. I'm convinced that there is no not it in kingdom of heaven living. Each of us was known by God before we were formed in the womb. Each of us was made sacred and holy before we were born. And each of us has an opportunity together to live in to that God-given identity. Amen.